I'm really excited about this new study that we're doing. A deeper life with God. You believe it'll change your life and my life and our life together? That's about seeing God's dreams come true in your life. And I think it's going to have a really profound impact on our whole church. Going deeper into our faith with God is critical for every part of our life. A neat opportunity for us to not only study together, to learn together, to grow together. We were created to do life together. I can't wait to share it with you. It is a joy to welcome you to the well and to welcome those who are upstairs in the well cafe. Uh, my name is David and I serve as a senior pastor here and I'm really thrilled that you were here this weekend as we begin this new series, uh, Deeper Life with God. We've been looking forward to this journey for, for many months and it officially begins today. A few things I want to make sure that you know about uh, this series. If you are brand new, first if you are brand new, Welcome, so glad to have you as our guest today. But there's some new things that we're doing with this series that if you haven't been here in the last few weeks, you may not have heard about. The first is uh, we have this workbook that we want to encourage you to pick up if you have not already done so. For the next six weeks, I would love for you to bring two things to church every week, to bring your Bible uh, and to bring this workbook. I think it's really important that everyone has a Bible that's their own, that you have some comfort level with. We'll talk about that more in the next few weeks. But I also want you to have this workbook. And I want you to know, uh, as a pastor, how I feel about this resource uh, that we've put together. I am convinced, and this may sound a little bit depressing. You may be like, well, why am I here? I am convinced that listening to a sermon alone is not going to transform your life. I hope that just didn't suck the fun out of the room. Like, oh, gosh, well, what am I doing here then? I mean... What, what I mean by that is when I look at my own life and, and, and the change that I've experienced in my life, and I also look at people who I respect, who, who I have seen grow in Christ-likeness, who have grown as disciples of Jesus, they're more than people who have achieved knowledge. They're people who have learned to practice their faith and live it out day by day. And they're also people, and I know in my life this is especially true, they're people who have been blessed by their relationships with others. So when I think about myself at, at, at 16 years old, when I started this journey to where I am today, and I think about how my life has changed, how I see the world differently, how I see myself differently, I can't separate that growth that I've experienced from the relationships I've had with people who have helped enable that growth. Those friendships and those mentors who have been a part of my life, and I believe that's true for all of us. And so part of the idea behind putting our energy and our time into this resource is to make sure that you have additional resources to put your faith into practice and to build relationships with one another that we believe are critical to experiencing life transformation. So we hope that you are going through this workbook with a small group. I want to tell you just a little bit about uh, the groups that we have uh, with, this, with this new journey we're doing over the next six weeks. We have 112 groups in our church who are going to be doing this study together. Five of those are, are youth groups, junior high and high school students. 37 of those groups are groups that still have space in them. So if you've not signed up for a group yet, we have 37 groups that are ready to receive you. They meet at different times, so depending on your schedule, we may have one that works perfectly for you. But this is the number I am super, super excited about. Of those 112 groups who are studying this book, 80 of them are brand new groups in our church which is awesome. I am so excited uh, about that number. Uh, that, is, that is people who are, are connecting in, in relationships, that, again, relationships that I believe are critical to growth. And so if you have this book with you right now, I just want to encourage you to turn to a couple pages. I want to point out a couple of things that are in here 
that again are a part of this journey into a deeper life with God. If you turn to page 24, this is in week one. The first thing you're going to see there is it's titled Practices of the Week. So each of the next six weeks, if you go through this workbook, we're going to encourage you to invest in certain practices that we believe are critical to growing into a deeper life with God. Let me just read you the first practice here. They're divided out by beginner, intermediate, and advanced. You get to decide where you are in this journey. But if you're just a beginner, here's step one. Make it a goal to get eight hours of sleep four out of seven nights. That's the challenge for this week. Aren't you glad you came to a church this morning that's going to challenge you? You know what that means? That means you can go home today and you can take a nap. And if anyone harasses you about that, you can say, I am investing in my relationship with God. How cool is that? Now, why are we doing that? Because we believe that there is a certain rhythm that God has designed us to live in. There's a rhythm of rest that, that is a part of our life, that the empty spaces of our life actually have meaning. And I would suggest to you, this is not the sermon for today, it's a whole other message, but it's really important. I would suggest to you that some of the dysfunction that we experience in our life today is in part because we live in rebellion to that rhythm. Because we don't get enough rest. Because we live these fast-paced, hurried lives that, that destroy the, the vitality of our souls. And so we're going to start there by saying, are you getting enough rest? And each week we're going to challenge you with practices like that. If you turn to page 31 in this workbook, you will find some scripture readings for each and every day of this next week. So uh, our GPS resource, which many of you pick up the paper copy or maybe you receive that via email, that's also in this book. And you can follow along here. There's some spaces for you to take some notes. So I want you to understand everything that's a part of this series. You're going to hear a message. We want you to connect in small groups. There's some video teaching uh, that, you can, that you can use for that, a kind of a discussion starter. There's some practices we're going to encourage you to do, and there's a scripture reading each and every day. So it's a resource for you to take a message that that alone will not transform your life and to apply it into your life in a much deeper way that we believe will help you grow into a deeper relationship with God. So again, we'd love for you to connect with a group. But let me just say a word uh, to those who are here today who are thinking, I don't want to do that. Maybe that's what you've been thinking the last couple of weeks. Every time I talk about it, you're like, I'm not going to do that. I, I do not want to go somewhere and talk to people. I mean, that just may be where you are. That is so scary. I mean, you just think your head would explode if you had to go talk, particularly in any sort of religious way, with a group of people. If that's where you are, and I just cannot convince you, okay? I'm going to keep praying for you, but that's okay. If that's where you are, I just can't convince you. Let me, let me tell you this. You can do this on your own. I don't think you'll get as much benefit out of it, but this is designed where you could do it on your own. The videos are online. You can watch that. You can take some notes. You'll still get a benefit out of it. I don't think it'll be the maximum benefit, but if that's where... I haven't told you that in weeks before because I've really wanted to encourage you to be in a group. <laughs> but you can do this on your own. We also have DVDs if, if that's more convenient for you. This one, you're going to think I'm making this up. Somebody left this on the urinal in the bathroom. <laughs> I am not joking. I went to the restroom right before getting up here, and this was sitting on the urinal. So... If you left it, isn't that crazy? <laughs> you would love to see the lost and found that we have here. A couple of weeks ago, I found a shirt in the lost and found. 
If you show up to church with a shirt and leave without a shirt, <laughs> you're doing something wrong. That's all I got to tell you. If you left this in the urinal, I have your copy of the DVD. But um, we, uh, <laughs> again, we've put a lot of time and effort into this. We, we put this together, our team here at the church, uh, because we want to help you grow. And that's our prayer. Uh, that's the invitation of this series for all of us, for myself included, that we want to we invest in, in growing into a deeper life with God. Here's the goal for our first message. For the first message today, I want to capture for you, if I can, the desire that I want to suggest to you is common to everyone in this room and everyone in the world that's at the heart of this series. So that means everyone who may say, hey, I'm a follower of Jesus, and everyone who has breath, everybody who experiences the human condition, I want to talk about the desire and the hunger that I believe that we all share that is really at the heart of this series. Uh, last week, I got to do something that was a really surprising opportunity for me. Uh, several weeks before, I had gone to my son's soccer practice, and my wife had, had brought him. I had to come a little bit late. I was coming uh, from, a, from a meeting here at the church, and when I got out of the car, another dad came running towards me. And this was a little strange because, first off, I've never seen this dad run. I mean, that was kind of new. He was running towards me, and, and he had something. So I didn't know if this was good news or bad news, but he, he, he ran up to me, and he said, David, I have an extra ticket to the Argentina versus Mexico game. Would you like to go? <laughs> and at that moment, there was just this, Everything within me said yes. I mean, eventually it came out of my mouth, but I was, I mean, I didn't check my calendar. I didn't care what was on it. I'm, I may have had a really important meeting at the church that night, but I wasn't going because I was going to go to the, because this was a, this was huge. I couldn't believe that I had this opportunity. Now, some of you don't understand why. Let me just explain it to you. Argentina versus Mexico was a soccer match, okay? Soccer is a game that's played with a round ball like this. Some of you have no idea what this is, but this is a soccer ball. Most of the world calls it football, which I know sounds really strange to us, even though it's a sport that's played with your feet. I mean, it makes sense, but we call something else football, so we call it soccer. That's what the game was. It was a soccer match between Argentina and Mexico, which I know means for many of you have already lost you. But anyways... Argentina has a player on their, on their international roster who's, who's pretty good. His name is Lionel Messi. Let me just show you his, his picture here on the screen. How many of y'all have heard of Messi? Not everybody, but let's say half of you have heard of, of, of Messi. He's, he's fairly popular in the world. Um, there are many sports figures here in the States whose name that I can mention to you, and everybody's hand would go up. And if I said LeBron James, everybody's hand would go up. If I said Tom Brady, yes, I saw him on court TV. You know, we'd all, <laughs> we'd all put our hands up, right? But in terms of worldwide popularity, I mean, most of those guys, are, they're, they're nothing compared to this guy right here because of the worldwide appeal of this game that we call soccer and the world calls, foot, calls football. He is considered to be the greatest player in the world. And he was going to be playing a match about 30 minutes from my house there in Jerry World, the Death Star, AT&T Stadium, whatever you call it, okay? So uh, my friend also, he heard the story last night and wanted me to go ahead and mention it to you that the tickets that he had were on the fourth row. It was amazing. 
It was one of the most incredible. I mean, it was, it was just amazing, awesome to be. I mean, Messi had a great game. You know, he, he scored with two minutes left in the match. I mean, to watch these guys play, to be that. I mean, it was, ju- it was a bucket list experience for me. It's one of those moments where I was just, lo- I was looking for more words to describe. I can't even put it into words to, for you. What it was like, it was amazing. It was astounding. It was jaw-dropping. It was, it was, it was awesome. It was awesome to be there. And again, I know some of you I just lost three minutes ago because I talk about soccer and you, you don't care care at all about that. But here's what I want to suggest to you. You've all had moments in your life like that. You've all had experiences in your life like that. Moments that were just so amazing. So where were you? The world stood still and you thought, how am I ever going to be able to convey this to anybody else? What this experience was like? You, you find yourself in need of a thesaurus. And even then you just, there are not enough words to capture what that moment was like for you in your life. And, and most of those moments are not, you know, some entertaining thing like going to a soccer game. I mean, they are moments of great meaning and significance in your life. They're, they're moments that you're never going to forget. Experiences that have been woven into the fabric of who you are today. They are the, the memories that you treasure above all else. Do you remember what it was like when you welcomed that child into the world? Can you remember what it was like to hear that cry for the first time, to look into their eyes in in that first moment? Do do you remember that? Can can you think of what words you might use to describe that that moment where, where, where life literally stood still and you weren't thinking about anything else other than Do you remember what it was like when the doors of the church opened and she began to walk down the aisle? Or when you stood there before your family and friends and said, yes, I do. This is the commitment I want to make for the rest of of my life. Do you remember what it was like when that dream you had in your life was finally fulfilled? When that degree was finally completed, when you got that job that you had been longing for, when you got to that place you wanted, do you remember what it was like to visit that place and to see incredible beauty? To get to the top of that mountain and to look over that, that, that tremendous valley, that landscape before you. Do you remember what it was like to visit that place of great historical significance or personal significance, to be there in a moment when the world just stood still and you thought, this is awesome. All of us have had moments like that. All of us have had moments in our life like that, moments that that we, we can't even put into words what they are for us. They're treasures. And even if we are not people who would describe ourselves as religious, uh, we still use words like magical and sacred and holy to describe those moments. We've all had some, some sort of moment like that. And as I went through those questions, I know for each of you, there's, a, there's, a, there's an experience, there's a memory that was triggered as you thought about those moments in life that were just beyond description. Here's the catch. Not every moment in life is like that. 
Have you recognized this phenomenon? Have you, have, have you recognized that while you have these sacred special memories in your life, there are also moments in your life that are just plain boring? <laughs> moments that seem to have no meaning and no significance. Moments where the most exciting thing you can come up with for the day is, what are we going to have for dinner? I mean, that's our lives, right? There's these incredible high moments, these experiences that we have in life, these, these sacred, holy times. And then there's everything else that we often don't know what to do with. We often don't know how to process that. And, and here's what I want to suggest to you. For every single person in the world who has experienced, as we've described, these ama- amazing moments and yet also lives in this human reality that is often lacking meaning and lacking significance, the, the tension between those two things creates a hunger in you. There's a hunger in you for meaning. There's a hunger in you for significance. There is a hunger in you to somehow tap back into those amazing experiences of your life. And if you are in the business, catch this if you're looking for a new career, if you are in the business of providing some sort of an experience that will in some ways help people forget the boredom of their life, if only for an hour, you can make a lot of money. You know that? You can make a lot of money. People shipwreck their life every single day trying to satisfy that hunger in their life, ending up in places they never intended to go because of this hunger and this desire for meaning and significance. Just spend some time this afternoon watching the commercials in between the football game with a little bit more of a critical eye. And what you will see is every single person in the world who has a product they want to sell to you is in some ways trying to tap into that hunger. They're trying to tap into that desire. They're trying to tap into that that longing that you have for a life of meaning and a life of significance. And they love to tell you that if you'll just try this out, you'll find it. That is the hunger that is common to the human experience. And again, nothing I've said so far is based on any religious conviction. This is simply a way of understanding the human condition, who we are as human beings. We all have this hunger. Here's the faith perspective. The faith perspective says this. I believe that God created the hunger, that it's actually not an accident or something that we should run away from, I believe that God created the hunger, and the faith perspective would also say that I believe that God is the only one who can satisfy it, that God is the only one who can satisfy that hunger. If you watch the video this week, you're going to hear me ask you a few questions. Have you ever found yourself wondering if there's more to the Christian life than you are ever experiencing, than you are currently experiencing? In other words, have you ever sat around with some of your friends from church and listened to the way that they were talking about their life or talking about their faith, and you just thought, man, they figured out something that I don't, I don't, I don't got yet? You ever felt that? When you think about love and joy and peace and patience, those things that Paul says, these fruits that are meant to be cultivated in our life, do you ever question whether or not you might be missing something? Like, where was I supposed to get peace? Was that over here? I, I, I'm, I'm not quite sure where. What, what, do you ever worry that you are missing out on the best that you believe a life with God or just life in general 
has to offer? Those are all rhetorical questions. Not because I don't care what your answer is. I already know what it is. Because I'm, I'm expecting that most of you are human beings. And this is who we are. We have this hunger and this desire for meaning. So here's the heart of this series. The heart of this series is, is the understanding of that common human experience. This, this hunger and longing that we have for meaning and significance. And the faith conviction that says that is not an accident. That God created the hunger, he created the longing, and that God alone can satisfy that need in our life. I don't have to convince you of the hunger. I am absolutely confident of that. It's in your bones. It's in your blood. You know it. You have experienced it. You, 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 you know that inside and out. But here's the question we all have to ask at some point in our life. What in the world is ever going to satisfy that need? What in the world is ever going to satisfy that need in our life? And I could put a couple of big chalkboards or whiteboards up here, and we could just brainstorm together. We could come up with a list a mile long of things that we have discovered in our life will not satisfy that need. But what will? What will satisfy that longing that we have in our life? The longing that by faith we believe God created, and by faith we believe God is the only one who can satisfy. So here's what I want to do today. Holly's going to come up. Uh, some of you here in the well may not know Holly. Holly leads worship in, in the well cafe. She's going to read to you Psalm 63. And I, I, I want her to read it because I just want you to hear it a little bit differently than you might normally do so uh, in, in the context of a sermon. And I want to tell you just a few things about what she's going to read to you. First, this is from the book of Psalms, and Psalms is a unique book in the Bible. Psalms has been described in this way. There's 66 books in the Bible. 65 of them contain God's word to us. Psalms is different in that it contains our words to God. Psalms is a collection of ancient Hebrew poetry, songs that were written, that were written out of the human experience that we all share, which means that when we talk about hurt and pain and suffering and celebration and thanksgiving, all of the experiences and all of the emotions of life, they're all in the Psalms. So in other words, if you find yourself at a place where the world is just falling apart and all you can think is, God, where are you? There's a psalm that speaks to that uh, in, in the book of Psalms, as well as those moments of great celebration. They're in there. These are our words to God spoken out of the human condition that we share, the highs and the lows, the ups and the downs. The second thing I want you to know before Holly reads this to you is this is a psalm of David. David was the king of Israel. And the reason that you need to know that is because what David is going to articulate for you here, I would suggest to you, is what I just shared with you. He's going to share with you about this common human experience, this hunger that we have in our life for meaning and significance from his own life, his own perspective. He's also going to speak to this faith conviction that God created the hunger and only God can satisfy the hunger. And here's what I want you to know about David. David was king. He had wealth. He had power. He had authority. In other words, he had a lot of some stuff that you don't have, <laughs> okay? He had the means to experience, possess, and be a part of anything and everything that he wanted to be in his life. And out of that place that many of us look at and go, well, wouldn't that be great if our life was like that? Out of that place, I want you to hear what he says about this longing in his own life and what he's learned 
about what satisfies that need. So if you have your bulletin, I want to invite you just to flip that over. And as Holly reads to you from Psalm 63, I just want you to listen to the wisdom of David. And I want you to listen to what he's learned about this this hunger and this desire uh, that we all have in our life. And if there's a word or a phrase that just jumps out at you, I just want you to jot that down in your notes as Holly reads to you from Psalm 63. You, God, are my God. Earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. I have seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory. Because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live. And in your name, I will lift up my hands. I will be fully satisfied as with the richest of foods. With singing lips, my mouth will praise you. All right, that's Psalm 63, verses 1 through 5. And I want you to hear it again. So I'm going to ask Holly to read it again. And, and, and again, as you hear it, if there's a word or a phrase that jumps out at you, just, just jot that down. Listen again to Psalm 63. You, God, are my God. Earnestly, I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there's no water. I have seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory. Because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live. And in your name, I will lift up my hands. I will be fully satisfied as with the richest of foods. With singing lips, my mouth will praise you. Again, I have absolute confidence that I don't have to convince you of the hunger. It's in your bones, it's in your blood, you know what I'm talking about. The question we all have to ask, though, is what do we believe will satisfy us? What is ever in this life going to satisfy this need? Listen to, listen to what David says. First, he describes himself as being like a dry and parched land where there is no water. Can you, can you think of the last time that you just found yourself thirsty? The last time that, that your throat was just so dry, you were longing for that, for that to be quenched. He, he says, I am convinced that your life is better than anything else. Your love is better than life. Anything, it's better than anything I might experience, anything I might possess, anything I might be a part of. And, and he says that from the perspective of the king who, who had the authority and the ability to do all those things, to be a part of whatever he wanted to be. As long as I have breath, I will praise you, God. And then in verse 5, I want you to just hear this phrase. David says, I will be fully satisfied. I will be fully satisfied. In you and in you alone, God, I will be fully satisfied. That's what David had come to understand in his life. As, as he'd grown, as he'd experienced things, was... I have a hunger, and only God can satisfy that hunger. 
And I do think that one of the things we have to ask ourselves is, do we really believe that? Do we really believe that the hunger that we have in our life can only be satisfied in God? Do we really, do we really believe that? I'm still in the first half of my life. That's how I like to think of it, at least. And in the first half of my life, I've gotten to experience and be a part of things that I really never thought I'd ever get to do. Um, I, I've had the experience of welcoming that, that young girl and that young boy into the world. I've had the, experiences of saying, uh, the experience of saying yes to, to my best friend and saying this is, what my, this is what I want the rest of my life to be about. Uh, I've had the experience of seeing some beautiful places, I, I, to go to places that I never thought, to sit on the temple steps in Jerusalem where Jesus taught. That was pretty cool. I've had the, you're, you may hear this the wrong way, so just, be, just hear it carefully. I've had the opportunity in my life to earn more money than most people will ever see in their life, in our world today. And I've had the opportunity in my life to experience success in my life that I never thought was going to be a, a, a part of my life. And yet, I still wonder I still ask myself, David, what, what really is going to satisfy you? Do you ever wonder that? What is it? Is it the promotion? Is it, the, is it that next phase of your life? Is it your child going to this? What, what, what is it? Is it true that it is God? It is God alone. What is the desire of your heart? That's the question I want you to wrestle with a little bit today as we begin this series, and I want to invite you to do that in a little bit different way. We're gonna, I'm going to uh, challenge you to do some different things in this series, and here's the first one. I want to invite you to turn your bulletin over, and we're going to close by just providing you some time to write out your own prayer to God. Now, if that makes you nervous writing it out like you would feel like you need to rush off and burn that before anybody saw it, then you can just speak it to yourself. But I want to invite you just to spend some time sharing your heart with God. And you can start that if you need a little help, just how to get started. Just write down, God, the desire of my heart is, and then finish the sentence. Write that prayer. I want to give you just a few moments of silence here together uh, to share your heart with God, to express to God from that hunger what it is that you really desire and what it is that you believe about what will satisfy you. So let's take a moment in an attitude of prayer together. And give some time just for you to share your heart with God.
Well, that was uh, three minutes of silence. From what I can tell, no one died. <laughs> I don't know about upstairs. I hope you're still alive and with me. It was okay, right? Maybe a little scary, a little bit awkward, but you survived. Congratulations, you've passed the first test. <laughs> One of the phrases that I use with myself when I have a hard time focusing, which does happen for me, maybe it does for you as well, is simply to repeat the phrase, Christ is here. Christ is here. Christ is here. To remind myself that being with Christ doesn't require me to go somewhere else, but to simply acknowledge that his presence is here. Over these weeks as we go through this, that's what I'm going to invite you to do. I'm going to invite you to invest in some practices that help you acknowledge the presence of God in your life right here. Wherever you are, every single moment of your life, Christ is is here. I am really excited about this journey that we're going to share together and praying for you and for the blessings that you're going to receive out of it. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, I thank you today for each and every person who is here in the chapel and each person who is upstairs in the loft for bringing them into this place, Lord, and for inviting them into a deeper relationship with you. Lord, I know that we all know the hunger. We've all experienced it. We, I don't have to convince anybody of that. And yet I also know, Lord, from my own life and the life of others, how easily we stray and seek satisfaction in things that can never fully satisfy. And so I pray, Lord, that in these weeks you would direct our desire to the appropriate place, to a deeper life with you. I pray, Lord, for courage, maybe to do some new things, to try out some new practices, to be still, to rest, to spend time with you, to acknowledge your presence that is, that is already here. Lord, would you, would you honor our efforts as we invest in you in these weeks ahead? We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to dismiss you with just uh, one final word. We'd love for you to pick up this workbook if you haven't already done so. Um, appreciate you, you doing that and, and, and pray that you're going to be blessed uh, by your investment in this journey. If we can serve or bless you in any way, just outside the worship space is a connecting point. Uh, if you're brand new and you have any questions, uh, we'd love to, to answer those and to share a gift with you. Uh, and I pray you're blessed. Uh, would you please stand and receive uh, this benediction? I invite you to go in the name of Jesus, the one who has come to invite you into a life that he describes as a life to the full. Would you go in grace and go in peace? Amen.